The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome to our, welcome to our show today. Um, this is Mary Woods. I'm your host and I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and holiday weekend. Uh, most appropriately, our show today is about um, personal happiness, and we're going to be talking with Dr. Jeffrey Miller, who has written the book, The Road to Happiness is Always Under Construction, which is totally true. And let me tell you about Dr. Miller. Dr. Jeffrey Miller is a native of Shelby County, Kentucky. He received his Bachelor of Science and Doctor of Chiropractic degrees from Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. After graduation, Dr. Miller completed postdoctoral orthopedic training through Parker College of Chiropractic in Dallas, Texas. Um, Dr. Miller became the first chiropractic orthopedic specialist to practice full-time in the state of Kentucky and was the youngest chiropractic orthopedist in the country. He is both a diplomat of the American Board of Chiropractic Orthopedists and a fellow of the Academy of Chiropractic Orthopedists. Dr. Miller's book, as I said, is titled The Road to Happiness is Always Under Construction. Um, And in his book are 50 Activities for Creating a Positive Outlook. Welcome, Dr. Miller. Well, thank you very much, Mary. It's nice to be with you. And so I'm talking to the youngest chiropractic uh, doctor in Kentucky. Well, actually uh, was at one time. Uh, That was when I was first certified, actually, as an orthopedic specialist. And uh, so that's been some time ago, 17 years ago. So how did you go from chiropractic orthopedist to um, writing a book about happiness? Well, long story. Uh, basically, it came out of uh, personal struggles and going through a very hard time in life. Uh, I'd had a very successful career, and then everything went as wrong as it could uh, go. And in struggling to cope with that and to try to uh, continue life, I started thinking about the times that I was happy, things that made me happy, uh, and I started thinking about those, and and basically the book was kind of a self-help exercise to try to overcome some of the difficulties, and uh, I wanted to try to help others. At first, I didn't know if it would ever be published, and I thought maybe if it does nothing other than help me get back to the road of happiness, then uh, that would be good, but uh, others looked at it and encouraged me to publish it, and so the 25th of May of this year, it, it came out. Um, well, I, I, the very first um, sentence in your introduction really caught me because I could totally relate. It says, I am not an optimistic person. I am melancholy and pessimistic by nature, and I have a well-entrenched Irish brain, and I really have to work to be optimistic and to be solution-oriented. So um, you got me on the first two sentences. <laughs> well, I'm Irish, too. My mother's maiden name is Kelly, so we... Uh... 
uh, probably have a little bit in common. Maybe it's hereditary from uh, uh, that type of uh, uh, background. But I definitely have been that way all my life, and a lot of times could always find the negative in things. And I really had to struggle off and on to try to, you know, find a uh, find happiness and and keep my mood up. And for years, I did a lot of that through self-help seminars, uh, reading a lot of books, and uh, very, became very goal-oriented and, and very goals uh, a goal setter. And like I said, everything went fine uh, for a long period of time doing that. And then when it all went bad, I really had to find a way to get back to that. And the book was, you know, a result of that or part of uh, part of that development of uh, going back to uh, trying to have a happy life. Well, I think for a lot of us, we're looking for something outside of ourselves to make us happy, whether it's a job or a relationship or um, a, a vacation. I, I know at Westbridge we work with folks that have co-occurring uh, mental illness and substance use disorders, and people who have addictive disorders are always in the chase. I mean, the chase is what really captivates them, you know, whether yeah. it's you know alcohol, drugs, sex, shopping, whatever, and um, and once once you have achieved that, then there's a huge letdown, and yeah. then you're you're off again. I agree, I agree. Um, now, and that's one uh, when you said it's looking for something outside yourself. Uh, it really is an inside job to a degree, uh, even though a lot of the activities I recommend in the book are activities that you do for other people, right? And to um, try to bring about uh, happiness by you know, helping others and uh, feeling good about having, having helped others. Um, I think that uh, in one of the things that you talk about early on in the book is about um, the different types of stress, and so maybe you could share that with our audience. Well, everybody's always saying they're stressed out these days, and stress has become a, a, a very bad word. And I, I learned during some part of my training in college or postgraduate school that there actually were two types of stress, distress, which is the bad stress, and eustress, which is actually a good stress. Uh, distress would be a divorce, loss of a job, uh, death of a loved one, whereas eustress, uh, studying, uh, learning to play an instrument, uh, having to work hard, I don't know whether it's exercise, those things stress the body as well, but the end result is not something that tears you down but actually builds you up and makes you better. And so most people are you know, aware of the distress, but need to focus on the eustress portion of their life, too. And I say in the book that when distress outweighs eustress, life is not so good. When eustress outweighs distress, life is better. And then if they're equal, life is just kind of on a plateau, so to speak. Well, and I think that um, for many of us, um, I think sometimes even things that could probably create you stress are things that we may do to the point where we feel stressed if we don't do them. It's 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 almost like um, a compulsion or competitiveness or um, instead of going to the gym because I really enjoy going to the gym and I enjoy working out, it's something I have to do. And, and it just becomes another thing on our list of have-to-dos. No, certainly. I agree with that. You can uh, become obsessed with things. I've I've known patients when I was practicing that were very obsessed with, uh, initially it was just to get in shape, but then it became a, a obsession with their body and how they looked and uh, 
then they felt such guilt if they did happen to miss an exercise session or you know did gain a pound or something like that and so that can can that can turn to distress uh, i agree if if you don't uh, put it in the right perspective um i think one of the other things that um people will often say is you know they're not happy because they don't feel smart enough um or they're not enough of whatever and i I think one of the interesting things in your book, you talked about the seven different types of intelligence, which often don't get talked about. Um, very true. Uh, I, for years, didn't know that myself and uh, you know, struggled with, you know, why am I not good at certain things? But we're not supposed to be good at, you know, every single thing we do. And uh, there are different types of intelligences and uh, seven that are uh, commonly known. They say there's been over 100 identified, but seven that are talked about consistently. Uh, ling- linguistic intelligence, where uh, you're intelligent with the use of, of words, uh, whether that be in writing or in language. Then there's uh, logical intelligence, mathematical intelligence uh, that deals with you know mathematics. That's one of the ones that, for me, was always a struggle. I wasn't the best math student, and uh, in order to pursue... Uh, healthcare, you know, physics and chemistry were required, and uh, I understood the concepts, but I wasn't very good at the math, and uh, that was always a drawback. But there's spiritual intelligence, musical intelligence, uh, kinesthetic intelligence, uh, which would fall under athletics and the uh, ability to uh, perform, you know, physical tasks. Then there's interpersonal intelligence, people who are great communicators, and then there's also uh, interpersonal uh, where you have self-discipline and the ability to, uh, you know, work within yourself and know yourself. And so, all of these are present with present within us. And um, if we want, we can start nurturing one or the other, right? Another. Absolutely, they're all present to varying degrees. Um, my background originally was as a musician. Uh, when I was in high school and college, and so I had musical intelligence but lacked the mathematical intelligence. But once you realize they're there, uh, you can cultivate them, and you basically have to work at that. Uh, often I hear people say, well, I'm just not any good at that. And I ask them, well, have you tried it? And sometimes it's no. Sometimes it might have been once, but really trying something once really isn't uh, uh enough time or or, or effort to make sure that you are good or bad at it. And there is that capability of developing each one of these. Some will still always be ahead of others, but there's a possibility that you can always learn to enjoy something that you thought you never were able to do. A lot of people can pick up an instrument and play. It might take you a little bit more practice than another person, but that capability is there. And for some people, maybe um, something they've always wanted to do is write. And, um, you know, they're, I guess, the, the more natural type of intelligence that they, that they have may be a different type. But, but sitting down, and I know a lot of people who, you know, in midlife begin to journal, begin to write, and just find that they really enjoy it. And the more they do it, the better they get at it. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of people want to write the great American novel, uh, just never sit down and do it because they don't have the confidence in it. Right, but right. I've I've written seven books now. The first six were all related to health care. They were 
examination textbooks, very technical books. I've written almost 200 journal and magazine articles, and I can remember sitting and pouring over paper or a computer uh, until I thought my eyes would bleed, trying to get it right. And I went through a lot of rejections uh, from publishers, uh, criticisms from colleagues. The thing is, I just stuck with it because I really wanted to write. And so uh, a lot of times that's that intrapersonal uh, intelligence where you have the self-discipline to move on and and to forge ahead. What role does our personality play in our happiness? What role? (laughs) Uh, I think quite a bit. It is harder for the pessimistic person, uh, and then you have the person who... Uh, is a great communicator and a, a great people person, and I think I think they have a lot easier time with that. And we'll be right back with Dr. Miller to talk more about how our personality um, contributes to our happiness. Right after this commercial, give us a call if you have any questions or comments. We'll be right back. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind, embrace positively, release the tension, step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. 
Um, welcome back, everyone. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We're talking today to Dr. Jeff Miller, who has written the book, The Road to Happiness is Always Under Construction. And I think for most of us and for the folks that um, we may treat, happiness is something that we're all can be elusive at times, and I think a lot of us feel that happiness is something we have to experience all the time. And I don't think that's true. I think that... Um, you know, happiness is something we create for ourselves um, and that we weren't meant to be happy every minute of the day. At least I'm hoping that's true. Um, and so in Dr. Miller, in writing this book, he's got 50 activities for creating a positive outlook. And one of the activities we were talking about before we went to break was being able to identify your personality. And um, and can you just share with us, Dr. Miller, why? how does that contribute to our happiness? If, if we understand what our personality type is. Well, it's, it's the basis of finding out where you're starting from. Uh, if you start with the type of personality you are, like I say, I'm pessimistic, and you do have some people who are very naturally happy. I know a couple people who uh, are very happy and content, and everyone is kind of in between. But once you start to identify your personality and your personality characteristics and your types of intelligence that you're good at, uh, you know where you can go from there. You know what to work on. And it is something that can evolve. You can change your uh, your happiness, your degree of happiness, your personality type. You can work on your intelligence. We're born with a certain capacity, but that can change drastically throughout your life. Uh, and once you find your starting point, then you know where you can go. And everyone says they want to be happy, and I think you need to define that. And that's like, where do you want to go on a trip? This is the destination. Uh, the only way to get there, though, is to know where you're starting from. Otherwise, the map is useless. And so if you know where you're starting from and you say you want to be happy and you define that for what is it that you say will make you happy, then you have a journey and you have some things that you can work on and you definitely can arrive there, but it's going to take some work and a lot of it is inside work. Understanding that the, um, the, the rich part of this is the journey, not the destination. Absolutely. You know, and, and that I think becomes that, almost trite. Everybody says it so much, but right. it's just absolutely true. Right. Um, when we first started um, our show, you talked about how things went really wrong in your life really fast. Can you share a bit of what that was? Well, I was uh, on a quick path to success. I, I graduated from chiropractic school, started my own practice, uh, started building a very nice practice, uh, had a great family, uh, lived where we wanted to live back in, in my hometown, and I developed, I wanted to write, and I, I knew that I would have to have something to write about, and I had developed a series of examination techniques for examining patients, and it ended up in, in, in with the encouragement of friends, I wrote a book about it, a textbook. And from there, it led to another book and speaking engagements, and so I developed a very uh, good practice as well as a, a career as a professional writer and speaker, I traveled a lot. I uh, got to speak to my colleagues all over the world. Everything was going wonderful, and I hit 40 years of age and really had marked off all of the goals that I was uh, had planned. And at 40, I was looking for the next thing to do, and I was offered a job by a corporation who uh, had 80 practices in 20 states, and they wanted me to help run the corporation. 
and they were going to give me, uh, they were going to buy my practice as part of this. So I, I wanted the opportunity. I sold them the practice. I went to work there as the chief operations officer for the corporation. Just after I got there, I, I spent three months, and in that three months, I discovered that they were committing massive Medicare and Medicaid fraud, insurance fraud. The owner had embezzled all of the employees' pension funds, and there were numerous tax and state issues, and I quit in, in protest. Basically, it told these people my practice and everything I'd built. Um, they immediately tried to sue me, and I also ended up having to go to insurance carriers because they were continuing to use my license and credentials, even though I wasn't an employee and didn't practice there anymore. And basically, they continued to commit fraud in my name. And I wound up in the middle of uh, the biggest fraud investigation of that type ever in my profession as a key witness. And from there, I sued multiple times. Um, the owner uh, started stalking my family and I, um, went so far as to make up a bunch of documents that tried to say and tried to prove that I was a pedophile and a child pornographer and spread that throughout the profession, trying to discredit me, um, spread it even through the neighborhoods we, we lived in, and and uh, did everything they could do to ruin us personally, financially, never paid me for my practice, um, just created a mess, which it took four years for it to get to court. People went to jail. There's, you know, a t- tremendous number of things. Um, having to worry about the safety of the family, uh, these people following my children, my wife, um, ending up, you know, uh, constantly dealing with federal agents and state agencies and anybody and everybody who could deal with these things. And it's something that's still going on. It started into its eighth year and wow. uh, still isn't resolved. And it's been, you know, brought us to financial ruin. Um, um, and then my kids have basically gone through their high school and college careers with this going on, and it's caused, you know, just I can't tell you the number of hardships in every aspect of life, um, but we've managed to hold together as a family, and I've managed to continue a career and uh one of the best things with that was the guy just became crazier and crazier about the way they were trying to get me, and everybody realized that he was not stable. Um, otherwise, initially, he was having an effect. You know, he had people doubting who I was and, and the people who knew me and who knew my work. And so it's uh, it's caused us to have to move, uh, you know, a couple times, trying to find a job after practice, and uh, which I've done, and tried to continue my career in writing. Uh, it's affected, you know, my children severely and, and my wife as well and, and the rest of our extended family. So, um, you know, thinking about being followed and stalked and uh, all the different things, the lawsuits, and, uh, you know, everybody said I slandered them. And it's, you know, it's constant. We lost uh, what we didn't lose for losing the practice. Uh, we spent on lawyers trying to defend ourselves or, you know, a variety of other things. And Three of our kids now are in college and one in high school, and we continue on and, and uh, to be a strong family. And uh, one of the reasons for the book was, you know, at the heights of the depression and, and the anger, uh, I had to find what it was in the past that you know helped me be happy. And I came upon a Spanish proverb that said that uh, there is no happiness, only moments of happiness. And uh, that goes back to what you said as we entered the second session here. 
that, uh, you know, people aren't supposed to be happy all the time. And it helped me realize that there's going to be ups and downs, and uh, you can change your, your outlook. You can change your uh, intelligence level. You can change your personality. And I had to start working on that instead of being caught up in, in all of the devastation that we dealt with for years. That's like a radio show in and of itself. I can't uh, imagine having <laughs> to go through Yeah, um, It's a, it's a long, that. complicated story, and especially eight years into it, uh, it eventually will be a book once everything's said and done with all of the, uh, uh, you know, all the officials and the legal things and the, that are going on. So, Can you still practice chiropractic? I sure can. Uh, okay. I was never um, under any suspicion of having done this, but, you know, Basically, when I had to turn them in for using my license, uh, the first person they investigated was me because they said so often that uh, somebody involved in criminal activity, if they think that um, you know they're about to be caught, they'll turn everybody else in. But I was the first one investigated, and I had a spotless record, and you know I never was you know suspected of anything after that, never charged with anything, never had anything you know bad, other than what they made up. But I mean they've made up you know the pornography, child molesting, I've been a wife beater, a drunk, a drug addict, or, <laughs> you know, anything they can think of, but um, I can practice. I have six different state licenses, and I'm still licensed to practice, and uh, while I make my living now full-time writing and teaching, you know, I can practice anywhere I want. Uh, many of them can't, uh, or ever again. So what did you learn about happiness during these last eight years? that it is something you have to work at. And like I said, that one Spanish proverb hit yeah. me like a ton of bricks, is that uh, uh, I kept thinking I was supposed to be happy all the time and uh, realized that I was going to have moments of happiness. And, you know, this thing waxes and wanes sometimes. You know, you won't hear anything about it for a couple of months because the Justice Department and everybody is so slow, uh, legal system as a, in general. And you'd start to do well, and then suddenly it would all raise its ugly head, and you'd think, oh, this is, we're right back in this. But I had to realize that was going to happen, and I uh, had to realize that you know, I had to, to work on it, and I had to do it for the sake of my wife and kids because they were going through it with me. And so I started looking at simple things in life that uh, had made me happy, and some of them are as simple as doing something for a child, and, uh, and some of them are your standard uh, self-help things like singing in the car, listening to positive tapes when you're in the car, uh, and they range from to, you know, what some people think is kind of crazy, uh, recommendation to watch the Jerry Springer show. Yeah, I saw that, and I'm thinking, I don't think so. But <laughs> tell us about that. How can that make you happy? Well, it goes back to another old saying uh, that a friend of mine uh, told me one time his mother used to say that said, I, I felt bad because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. And uh, you just can't watch that show, uh, I think, and not feel better about your life. And I don't know if that was the intent of, of what they started, but you can have a horrible life going on and uh, just look at that and say, well, you know, these people have a, a bad life too, and, and they were even crazy enough to go on national TV and air their dirty laundry and fight with the audience and each other. And, and um, you know, there's, it's, it's human nature to compare yourself and your situation with others and uh, it's just meant to go back and I guess it'd be a modern example of that saying that you know you feel bad for yourself but you see other people who have it worse and it is a little bit odd for uh, 
uh, you know, standard self-help stuff, but it, it is something that, you know, and I actually watched Jerry Springer a couple of days, and that's why I, I thought of it. And, you know, I was stuck at home, and it came on. So well, <laughs> that's I, the way you know, that started. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of life could look better after that. We'll be right back with Dr. Miller after this commercial, and um, we're talking about happiness and the road to happiness always under construction. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Um, Welcome back, everyone. Our guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Miller, and we're talking about uh, the road to happiness, and you just shared with us a really devastating um, personal experience that was the beginnings of your book because you kind of had to find a way to get through all of all that, and you're still trying to find a way to get through all of that. And I just wonder, um, in reading your book, one of the things you talk about is the ready, fire, aim principle. And I think listening to what you've been through, my first inclination would be, well, when this is all over, I'll do what? Or I'll, or I'll do this or I'll do that. But that really goes against something that that you subscribe to. Uh, it does. And I had that tendency early to think, well, we're going to get beyond this. And once we're beyond it, 
then we'll move into the next phase of life or I'll write another book or uh, we'll worry about the kids being in school. And I realized that, you know, not only was this devastating to the life we'd had so far, but it was basically preventing us to continue to have a life. And so the ready, fire, aim is to basically uh, jump in there and, and get going. And you may not get off on the right foot. You may not do do it as perfectly the first time. Uh, you may have to alter your plans, but to just get started. Uh, Dr. Robert Schuler, uh, in one of his books, wrote that beginning is half done. And uh, I started thinking about that. And so I went back into writing and doing the things that I'd always done to be successful, um, encouraging the kids, you know, as they got closer to going to college, to go to whatever college they wanted to and not something that we thought we could now afford because of the financial losses and encouraging them to, you know, be everything they could be. And so, you know, we jumped back into things and uh, we had to alter our course a few times, but we got moving again and uh, we proceeded. And uh, it's turned out very well. I have a you know, wonderful wife and four, four wonderful kids. And of course, everybody always thinks their spouse and kids are wonderful, but uh, if you look at what they've achieved and what they've done with this hanging over the family, um, I think it's pretty remarkable because of the fact that uh, we could all have just stayed in limbo um, and just been frozen in fear, uh, waiting for the next bad thing to happen. But uh, we just got up and moved forward and, um, like they say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go. And so, again, you won't start off perfectly probably, and you may have to alter things, but you need to get going and uh you know, then, you know, adjust your aim later. Um, One of the things that you talk about in your book is um, being able to look forward to something. And I think, like, we plan a family vacation every year, and I think half the fun is planning it and and the anticipation of going. It's sometimes more fun than actually going. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I agree. Uh, There's lots of things that uh, uh, people look forward to. And part of that came from treating patients for years, while I practiced chiropractic and, and uh, very rarely was a life-or-death situation, I did occasionally examine someone, x-ray someone that I would find that had bone cancer or a lung tumor and um, realized that that person didn't have, you know, a long time to live. And the ones that seemed to live the longest had something to look forward to. They, uh, they weren't going to die until the birth of a grandchild that was coming, uh, until their daughter's wedding was done. They, they were going to see a certain thing accomplished or see a certain thing happen for a family member. Uh, one gentleman who was supposed to have died after a year and a half lived almost seven years um, battling cancer, and part of that was a plan he put together to make sure that when he did pass that his wife was secure. And so looking forward to something can, you know, have tremendous, tremendous uh, effect on your life. And those are the extreme circumstances. But even in the smallest circumstance, your vacation, um, I have a grandchild on the way now. And just looking forward to that, I am so excited about that, that uh, it, it does give you a lot of hope. And, uh, and you're looking beyond yourself and your current misery, and it, it really helps you get focused on uh, important things. Well, it also takes you out of the out of the day, out of what's bogging you down during the day, or, or, um, you know, if if you've lost your optimism, having something to look forward to helps you get it back. Absolutely. You know, um, I've always envied people who are just optimistic by nature. Um, 
you know, I just, I don't realize, I don't think they realize what a gift they've been given. Oh, true. (laughs) And they, uh, they also are confused when they meet somebody uh, like myself who tends to be more pessimistic because they're like, you know, what's wrong now? Uh, Why is there always something wrong? And it's like, well, you know, you just have a tendency to look at the the bad or find the negative in things, uh, whereas they have the complete opposite. And, uh, I don't, I don't think either party understands the other very well. No, I, I know I, I wish I was more like that. Um, one of the things that you talk about in your book is uh, uh, you have a quote from Malcolm Forbes who says, retirement kills more people than hard work ever did. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I tried to find an appropriate quote for each of the 50 chapters. The chapters are real short, but uh, uh, the one on retirement uh, is talking about, uh, you know, you need to keep busy. And a lot of very famous people who achieved a lot in life really never retired. And so it goes to the fact that they often say you should find what you love to do and, and make a career of it. And uh, I think that's that's very true. you got to stay busy because I've had, seen so many people that when they retire um, just kind of waste away. And they're just not prepared. I mean, Absolutely. You know, I think that um, for for a lot of us, happiness revolves around what we do and who we are gets wrapped up in what we do. So if, if we retire, we kind of lose ourselves, too, if we're not prepared. I agree. I agree. So what um, was your favorite chapter of the ones you've read? Well, besides the opening statement, I think the the one that um, hit home the uh, most for me was... Um, you know, to be a coach, a teacher, or a mentor, or a tutor, because that's something I really enjoy. And um, I'm at a point in my career where I really feel like it's important to reach out, because when I was young in my career, somebody reached out to me. And just seeing the satisfaction of somebody grow and learn, um, and being able to think, like, wow, I helped I helped that, you know, that 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 is something that really resonated for me. Yeah. Well, uh being a speaker and liking to teach, uh, I, I, that hits with me very, uh, very well. Also, it just uh, it, nothing like the thrill of having helped someone achieve something. Uh, really, really is a, a great opportunity in life if you can try it. Well, and the other thing is, it's it's um, it's just so nice to know that you know, like we have a, a young person who works with us, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's really nice that I can share with her. Um, something that I struggled with when I was at that point in my career, you know, and, and to know that um, it's going to get better or it's going to change or, or you will develop different skills or whatever. And I just think it's 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 very rewarding, you know, to Absolutely. finally have some wisdom that you can share with someone. Um, so I thought that was really good. Um, I think that one of the other um, important things is the fact that, you know, this is, I mean, real happiness takes work and that, um, you know, one of the things I like to do is scrapbook. And I think that in some ways that's something, at least um, emotionally, we all have to do. We all have to have places where we can go in our minds that um, make us happy or times in our life that we can bookmark and go back to. Um, I know for me, I often go to my grandmother's front porch, which is a place which was, a you know, um, I just loved to go because everybody would sit on the porch on hot nights and talk and 
and that's a place I can go and kind of get myself back on track, you know, and I, and I just think that kind of scrapbooking in my mind is is, is a tool for me. That that lends itself to two of the other chapters. Uh, one of the chapters is on having a place for yourself, and uh, I do think that you know having a place that's special to you is very important. Uh, it puts you in a different mood, helps you relax, uh, helps you clear your mind, uh, and and the other is having something you love to do, having a hobby. And I think right. everyone should have a hobby. Uh, we get so tangled up in uh, the rat race that we're all in these days that. Uh, it's, you know, those things get pushed aside, and you don't get a lot of enjoyment out of things because you just go from one type of work to the next. Right, right. No, and I think that, um, you know, the other thing, too, is that if if we have those places, like, that are bookmarked, it helps us remember what's what's important, too, that it's not the running from one thing to the next. It's, you know, it's it's the people in our life. It's, you know, it's our family. Those, those are the things that are really important and where happiness comes from. True, you know? and that coming off of a holiday season, having seen family and friends, that's uh, it's something that'll remind you uh, very quickly uh, just how important that is. Um, what's your favorite chapter in the book? I'd have a hard time picking a, a particular favorite chapter. They're all things I've done. Uh, one of my favorites is, is uh, doing something for an older person, and I tell the story in the book of. Uh, going to see my father in the nursing home and I, I before he passed away and I would uh, try to stop there on the way home from uh, work every afternoon and talk to him and he had dementia and really didn't know who I was anymore so I would just ask him questions and and uh, whatever he remembered for that day which was usually something 30 or 40 years ago that it actually happened I would just talk to him and chat with him for a while even though I wasn't able to share things that, uh, from my perspective and my children and what I was doing, but uh, trying to spend that time with him. Uh, and then uh, on leaving one day, I ran into a little lady shuffling down the hall who had a pair of little plaid-colored uh, sneakers or tennis shoes on, and as she approached me, uh, she looked down and stopped and was looking at her shoes, and she looked up at me and she said, um, oh, oh, my shoe is untied. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you you tied my shoes a lot when I was little, so I'll tie yours. And so I bent down and I uh, tied her shoe and stood back up, and it was my first grade teacher. And wow. she touched my cheek, and she said, you're little Kenneth Jeffrey, aren't you? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And uh, although she had Alzheimer's, uh, somehow in that moment we connected, and I felt like that it was something that, uh, you know, was especially special for me, and that in that period of, or that moment, that small thing for her brought a real smile to her face and, and a memory of uh, perhaps having me as a child and, and, uh, and being an influence in my life. So I think that's a, a really important thing to consider is doing something for somebody that's elderly, and especially uh, many of them are lonely and sick. It's, uh, it's something that you're doing for something else but can give you great happiness you know, in, in your life. And we'll be right back with Dr. Miller for our final segment. If you have any questions or comments, give us a call. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk network your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness you're listening to one hour at a time with host mary woods if you have a question for mary or her guests call now the listener lines are open the toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792 that number again is 1-866-472-5792 now let's get back to mary and one hour at a time Welcome back, everyone. Um, today we're talking with Dr. Jeffrey Miller, and we're talking about his book, The Road to Happiness is Always Under Construction, 50 Activities for Creating a Positive Outlook. Um, Dr. Miller, throughout the last eight years when your family's been going through this horrific ordeal, have they utilized these um, principles, or what have they done to get through this? They've used several of them. Um... My wife does a lot for other people, but like I said, the theme of the book, a lot of the activities are for you to do for uh, things for other people. My wife teaches special needs uh, three- and four-year-old children. Um, They have autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, uh, you name it as far as uh, different types of disorders that they have. And so she does quite a bit of work with uh, children there and teaches children at church. My children... Uh, had been greatly affected by this. Uh, one had some nervous problems early when, uh, of course, the family was being threatened and my wife and children had to leave town for a couple of weeks. And that was the youngest one, and it really affected her. But she's come back to be a very uh, strong young lady. And uh, my older children are all in college and have had to deal with this. And But they've managed to get uh, be getting a very good education, Um 
luckily we could get them away from that in a way by getting them off to college, but we then worried that they weren't with us and uh, what would happen. But so far they've all, you know, done things. Uh, surprisingly, they all write very well. Their father and mother both like to write, and, and they've journaled about this, uh, worked on it in a variety of ways, and it's uh, coming through activities, uh, working on their intelligence and their types of personalities, like the fir- first part of the book says. And um, they have different talents in music and, and other things. And, well, again, we've tried to keep them focused on those and uh, so that, you know, there is something else in life to do other than sit and uh, worry about this or be afraid of the next shadow that comes around. Okay. Hi. Welcome to Hi. our show. Hi. I'm calling from Massachusetts. And I just wanted to comment. I missed the first part of the show, but I just wanted to comment on Dr. Miller's comment about um, doing nice things for the elderly. I think it's really awesome, and I could really relate to that story because my father's uh, currently a um, newly diagnosed Alzheimer's patient, and um, what you had said about engaging them in the past, that's the only way I can really talk to my dad these days. He's not really good on current events, but I just kind of tap into a subject that's from the past, and it gives him so much pleasure to talk, and he remembers everything from 40 or 50 years ago, nothing from the, you know, today, but it gives them a lot of joy, and I just could really relate to that, and I thought that was really nice that you shared it. Well, thank you, and that that's so true. My father, you know, their short-term memory goes first, and, you know, he could remember that I was there the day before, and I would just say, you know, Pop, what'd you do today? And he would start telling me something and that was obviously from years and years ago, and I would just go with that and start talking to him about that situation. And obviously lots of times I think there were things he told me that he probably had never told me in, in, intentionally, but that's what he remembered. And I learned things about him as a teenager and a young man that, uh, you know, I got a kick out of later when I found mm-hmm. out, you know, things he had done. But that's what he was. that's where he was. And it gave us the ability to talk to each other and not sit there and, you know, complain or worry about the fact that, um, you know, we weren't in the present time anymore. Right. And it's it's so nice to hear that, though, to, to remind people that that is how you can engage people with those issues, and it does give them pleasure, and it does make you feel good, too, to know that they're happy because they can't really engage in anything current. And um, I really enjoyed that, and, and, it, um, and it is something that you can learn from and get a lot of patience from because um, it can't always be our way. You know, sometimes we have to just adjust the way we relate to people that we love, you know? Absolutely. I agree. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank Take you care. for calling in. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello? Hello. Well, uh, you know, you never know, um, you know, what re- resonates with people. That's true. Very and, true. And but I that's, think, uh, again, an example of there's lots of activities that, can make you happy or make others happy, and it's not just one specific answer of do this one thing and you will be happy. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned, um, I don't know whether it was during the break, but there's a book coming when this is eventually, this ordeal is eventually over. Um, when do you anticipate um, this ordeal being over? Well, most of the book is written, 
and the 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 catch in that is there's certain things under litigation, and it's just very hard to tell when the court system is finally going to finish what they're doing. Um, you know, there's, there's so many things uh, along that lines. Since um, some of this stuff dealt with federal violations, uh, there's no statute of limitations on some of these things, so you know they can work on it now and and put it off a year and then go back to it. So I really don't have a time frame, and uh, I just know to be ready uh, when it is. I, I think I'll have something ready to take the press that'll just be missing those last, you know, final steps of what occurred. When will you be able to get these people out of your life? Um, <laughs> when either they're dead or I'm dead is the only thing I can tell you for sure. But uh, the one person who owned this corporation. Uh, he's making his life's mission now to try to make us miserable, and he, you know, tries repeatedly. And he still, every, you know, four to six months, rears his ugly head and has done something. Uh, his latest uh, episodes were to put up a website about me and, and uh, again, falsify a bunch of information about me and, and put up a website, which we had to battle with uh, the... Uh, web hosts to get taken down because of slander and for copyright infringement. Um, he also took some of my training videos of some of the things I teach to other doctors and uh, pieced them up into small pieces and then posted them all on YouTube uh, trying to, uh, I guess, make that available so nobody would buy the DVDs or the books that I've written. And I had to have a, you know, legal issues with that and try to get those removed and uh, YouTube was extremely cooperative, uh, much more so than the web host, about removing those because of copyright infringement. So he comes up with something every few months, uh, whether it's accosting me at a speaking event or doing something like that. And uh, he's just apparently narcissistic enough to think he was the one that was wronged in the entire thing, and he's vowed to get me one way or the other. And in the midst of all that, you were you were able to come up with uh, a book about happiness, so I applied your strength of character. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's character or desperation, but either way it helped a whole lot, and I'm certainly hoping that it helps other people. And uh, really, really appreciate the people so far who've taken an interest in it and appreciate you and others who've given me the opportunity to speak about it across the nation because, um, unfortunately, these things happen more than we know. Um, families go through these things and it's it's very trying and uh hopefully what happened to us uh you know other people can see that it can be tempered and that there is a way to kind of see the forest for the trees that you can get out of the midst of something um and and you have control over it other people can't control it you can um dr miller how can people get in touch with you you can uh basically email me through my website and that's jeff at examdoc.com j-e-f-f at examdoc e-x-a-m-d-o-c dot com and the book is available um, through amazon and barnesnoble.com thank you so much for being a guest with us today and good luck and I hope that your deal ends in a peaceful and manner and soon Thank you, Mary, for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good week, everybody. 
appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.